ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, if you've got ideas for future episodes, if you've got any other reason that you want to correspond with us, and I'll explain the us in a moment, please contact us. Two easy ways to do so. You can email us ignition at sfcatholic.org, or you can tweet at us at sfdiocese and use the hashtag ignition to get a hold of us. And the us, I already mentioned my name is Chris Bergwald. Across the table from me in the recording studio is... Father Joseph Schulten. Who is... Me. <laughs> the one speaking. The one speaking to you I am the one you, speaking ME. to you. <laughs> That's me. Tell, I'm your, apparently the new co-host. The uh, Well, I on occasion this, at least. Uh, yes. I didn't know this until we started recording. Well, as opposed to a guest today. co-host. Well, yes. don't. It's yeah, yeah. happy to be on board. Thank you, Father. Yes. Um, tell, tell the listeners a little bit more about who you are. Priest for the Diocese of Sioux Falls. New priest, but not the newest. Yeah, You're no longer a neo See what's the word there? Yeah, you're, you're not a newborn. You're more, you're you're over, you're not a baby priest anymore. That's right. You're over a year, like a toddler priest. When is your anniversary? June second. June second. Yeah. Justin Martin. No. No. Uh, Saints Peter and Marcellinus. Right. Early martyrs of the church. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, where are you as recording at least? Because who this 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 as not only a, a broadcast by radio but also. Um, th- through the intertubes, um, this will be uh, available as long as the internet exists. Yeah, that's true. Uh, somehow, yeah. so your great grandchildren could be listening to us as we speak. Right, and I, I can't say the same thing about you. I Definitely guess. not. <laughs> but, but at the moment at which we're recording this, that's though, right. uh, what's your assignment with? I'm at St. Lambert Parish. I'm the uh, parochial vicar there, and then I'm the chaplain of O'Gorman High School. Happy to be both places. Excellent. Although not at once. Mm, you're working on that, though. <laughs> Come on. By location. There is, that's a reality, actually, listeners, in, in case you haven't heard. There were um, saints, even in recent history, uh, St. Padre Pio, the, probably the most famous example in recent history. Um, he died in the late 60s, early 70s, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Father Padre Pio literally was witnessed by people to be in two places simultaneously. Like people would see him in one spot and other people said, well, f- no, Padre, he, Father Pio, Padre Pio was here. And they, they'd argue, um, I would imagine at least. No, right. he was here. Right. And, the, and, and he probably had better reasons for bilocating than I would want to. See, I always wanted it in seminary so that way I could go down to Holy holy Hour and stay in bed at the same time every morning. <laughs> I thought your original, where we started with this though, so you could be in both assignment locales simultaneously, both at the parish of St. Lambert and at O'Gorman High School. That'd be helpful. A little bit. You could be two meetings simultaneously. How about that? That sounds like pure joy. (laughs) So um, that's enough about you. Let's talk about me. Sounds Uh, great. (laughs) Chris Bergwald, Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Married and a father, husband and a father. Uh, Jermaine and I have been married f- um, for almost 19 years. 
and we have five children, all of them South Dakota natives. Neither of uh, of what uh, of whom? Uh, no, ni- neither. <laughs> what is the, anyway? Jermaine and I aren't. <laughs> neither of which are we was not right. Uh, you're not from around not. here. <laughs> I think that's what you're trying to say. That's that's exactly what I'm trying to say. Yes. Uh, but enough about us, Father. Let's talk about somebody who's far more interesting. Sounds. Great. So we are going to be discussing, this is going to be part of a, an occasional series that Father and I are going to be doing. We're going to be discussing um, a book and the content of a book by Dr. Brant Petrie. Uh, Dr. Petrie is a scripture scholar who teaches um, at, uh, I don't remember the formal title, but seminary down in, in Louisiana, uh, I believe in New Orleans, but I'm not sure. Do you, do you know his biography off the top of your head? Not, uh, not really, not but really. that sounds okay. all correct. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he, he's also a, a husband and father. He's a layman, like myself, um, and his wife have several children. Um, and he's been re, he's written a number of books over the years. Have that you ever met fantastic. him, by the way? Never met him in person. Oh. I thought I might at a recent conference that I attended, but he, he wasn't there this time. Oh, bummer. Someday. We're big friends, Someday. just for the record. We are. Dr. Dr. Petrie. And I hope I'm saying your last name right. If yeah. you're listening, so we think you're great. We do. Thanks for your book. Yes, and and, and so the, actually the first before we talk about the book that we're going to talk about. That's right. Thanks for your books, plural, but yes. mostly the one that we're gonna, I've read about to discuss. That, uh, oh my gosh, Father, you, the um, Jesus and the Jewish roots of the Eucharist is fantastic. You no, know, I keep hearing I keep hearing that, and I actually was speaking to somebody in the parish recently. That's just been that's <clears> book. <throat> that book has been very helpful for them. Very. Um, inspiring just as they uh, prepare to enter the church. So it was his, I think it was his yeah. first popular text. His dissertation yeah. got published as most, as many dissertations do. Um, but this was his second book to be published first for a popular audience. And it's just a great uh, unpacking of the old Testament roots, the, mm-hmm. the foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. We recently, we talked about John the Baptist and how he was the forerunner sure. of Jesus. Sure. Um, this book shows how the old Testament foreshadows in all sorts, many ways, the gift of the Eucharist. But Definitely. Not. That's not the book we're talking no. about in this series. We are talking about the case for Jesus. The case for Jesus. The biblical and historical evidence for Christ. That's the subtitle. So the case for Jesus. Uh, not to be confused with the, the book, The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel, which came out, I think, late 80s, May, uh, early 90s, 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 early 90s, yep, 90s. Yep. Um, also a good book, but um, Petrie's book is a little different, trying to do... Uh, do something a little different, but he's, um, but also I think very good, very helpful, enlightening book. And, uh, we wanted to discuss, uh, the case that Petrie makes for Jesus right uh, in this, in this book. And so Um, again, this is gonna be an occasional series. So you and I, father will be, um, chatting about this over the course of a few episodes. We really don't know how many we'll just sort of see how far we get with the material and, Mm-hmm. You know, this 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 could be, I don't know, a 500-part series. I, I don't know. This is a very millennial way to approach yeah, this relationship. Yeah, yeah very. <laughs> we'll just kind of see where things go, you know? Try and, to meet you where you're at, That's Father, right. You know? Um, that's right. I'm not a millennial. Um, well, why don't you just meet me in the middle? <laughs> Did you get that? I, I, that was my millennial I, I, reference. I, that was, uh, you, I am so well, far removed from well, pop culture, well, and, yet, and yet, I can still surprise people you, you all right so the case for jesus so let's talk about before before we get into the content of the book let's talk about why we're discussing this book awesome um 
why, why, so why, <laughs> and, and, and so, I think there's a concrete, there's a few reasons. Sure, One is because sure. you're talking about it at your parish. Yeah. And, I, and then here, so here's the reason we wanted to talk about it at the parish, because um, essentially the book is about the claim that Jesus claimed to be God. Right. Uh, who was Jesus? How do we know? Right. And, uh, and we want to dig into that. Um, one to help establish our faith, give our faith deeper roots. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, it's more than likely that you have some familiarity with, with Catholicism and you're probably um, a believing Christian. Um, but if you're not, we're glad you're listening and hopefully you find this helpful. Uh, a lot of the time we can, we can take things for granted um, and not really delve into the, the why behind what we believe. And it's helpful to do that. Uh, one, in case our faith is challenged, you know, somebody comes up to you and says, hey, there are all these other gospels from the early centuries. How come you only believe these four and what they say about Jesus? How come you don't take the gospel of Peter or the gospel of Judas seriously? And uh, we want to be able to have an answer for that, right? Right. Um, so that we're not thrown off, um, thrown into doubt or confusion so that our faith can be more more solid. Um and also, it's helpful to get to know. So that's, so, so that's one reason, you know, the, the ability to respond to challenges. But even if our faith isn't being challenged by some uh, some other person, uh, it always it helps our own relationship with Jesus, our own following of the Lord, um, to get to know Him better in the Scriptures. You know, in the in the Gospels that He's allowed to be handed on and um, to be inspired and handed on to us. Right? They're the they're the main access we have to uh, to the life that he lived, to the things that he said, to the deeds he performed. And so um, this book helps uh, establish the credibility of the Gospels and highlights some things that, that uh, we might miss in our, in our familiarity with them. St. Jerome, of course, the, the early church, one of the saints of the early church, the probably greatest scripture scholar of the early church, or certainly one of them, famously, at least for those of us who follow these things, famously said, ignorance is ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. So to your point that the he was gospels, kind of cranky. He was kind of cranky. He could have a, said knowledge of scripture is knowledge of Christ. Isn't that so much more positive? Positive, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I and guess yeah, that's me being a millennial. Too. But just just on that point, and yet he's a saint. He, he, as cranky as he was, he he's still uh, he's Saint Jerome, not Cr Mr. Cranky Pants Jerome. It takes all types <laughs> to build a kingdom. <laughs> you, I think you're bitter about his canonization. <laughs> he's um, not my favorite. I can tell. I'll admit I it. I can tell. I'll admit it. And yet, what he said here, re regardless of what your feelings on him are, Father, uh, what he says is true. That that uh, if we really want to, uh, to put it more positively, as you did, if we want to know Jesus, we need to know the scriptures, and the gospels, of course, are about Jesus. Exactly. I'm exactly. curious, Father, before we get into the content, um, why why did you? Because you're busy, your assignment at the parish, your assignment at O'Gorman. Um, why did you want to take the time? Um, you did this over the course of, of of this summer. You're doing it over the course of this summer as we're recording. Why was this book important to you that you want to take the time to, to teach from it? One, I think, because it gets to the heart of the matter, right? Um, our faith is really rich and uh, diverse, and there are so many aspects and uh, facets one can study and, and devote himself to. But the center, the heart of it all is, is the person of Jesus Christ, right? God's revelation in the crucified and risen 
Lord Jesus. And I think this book brings us into into direct contact with it. Well, the Gospels, actually. The Gospels bring us into direct right. contact with him. Right. This book helps uh, helps us enter into the Gospels and understand them. And I wanted to help bring people on that journey. Uh, the other reason is that uh, one area I, I focused on in my studies was was early Christianity. Um, so I went I went to school for three years at uh, the Pontifical Gregorian University, which you like to make fun of. We have a <laughs> running rivalry what? here. Running? Yes, sir. Uh, yes, we do. That's true. But uh, my last year in seminary, I um, I began a advanced studies on early Christianity and the the fathers, of the, the fathers of the church. And so really focusing on those first few centuries of Christian history, um, that's obviously the time in which the gospels are being written. And that's where our earliest evidence about the gospels comes from, you know, what the church fathers had to say about them. And, and uh, that enters in a big way into the first part of, of this book, the case for Jesus. And so it's kind of a bread and butter academically. Okay. So it, Corresponds not only to an interest of yours personally, pastorally, but also academically. Definitely. Gotcha. Yeah. So uh, just a brief uh, pause for station identification, this is, or program identification, Father, I think is the case would be. Uh, you're listening to Ignition. This is a broadcast for the new evangelization. I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald, and across from me is... Father Joseph Scholten. And we're discussing today um, the content of... Uh, Dr. Brent Petrie's book, The Case for Jesus. This is a, an occasional series that Father and I will be doing. This is the inaugural journey in this series, um, discussing this book and, and, and sort of our own reflections um, on it and, and, the, and the things that he brings up there. Um, if you have questions about what we're discussing, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Father, one reason why this is an interesting topic for me um, connecting to roles that we share in common as um, my case as a layman theologian, your case as a priest um, teaching the faith. Uh, honestly, when it comes to, we're talking about St. Jerome, ignorance of scriptures, ignorance of Christ, knowledge of scriptures, knowledge of Christ, knowing scripture, trusting scripture, um, that reality has been, sh our trust in scripture has been shaken in some ways because of, frankly, folks like you and I, <laughs> people who should know better than is scholar. In fact, uh, men who are far more brilliant than us, uh, scripture scholars. If you can believe that such people exist. I, well, th this at least mythical creature. Um, <laughs> scholars who in the course of their studies have really, uh, and I don't think maliciously, but regardless of their intentions, um, because of their work, they've caused many people, and they themselves in some cases, have, have, have really begun to question the, 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 the veracity, the truthfulness of scripture in general, and including the gospels in a particular way. Yes, uh, and that's a very unfortunate reality in, uh, in the scholarly world, the world of scripture, scripture scholarship, biblical scholarship, uh, especially, um, but it's but it's nothing new, right? It's really been around since the Enlightenment. Uh, this sort of deconstructing of the Bible and uh, especially the Gospels. I'm curious, what? So you you know you went know, to a very faithful, good um, institution for your <laughs> theological studies. What was your um, what was your introduction to scholarship on the Gospels? Um, you know, what was that? What was that kind of taken for granted or discussed? Or yeah, great question. So yeah. for me, my exposure. So actually, maybe we should back up. But there's a um, 
there's uh, a pretty heavy, um, a pretty influential idea out there just for listeners that may not be aware, you know, maybe you haven't taken a college level course on, sure. on scripture or the gospels, but, but it's pretty common in, uh, in those settings to hear things like this. We don't really know who wrote the gospels. Um, the gospels weren't written by the people that they say they were written by, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They were written by either an anonymous author or they're formed by a community of people. Um, the gospels are, are compiled much later than the events that they uh, allege to be recording. Um, some say that the Gospels are, uh, when they tell stories about Jesus' miracles, for example, or signs that he performed, that they're not intending to convey historical truth, but, uh, but they're more like folk stories. Right, you know, they're, they're fables. They're convey a certain moral message or... Um, spiritual truth, enlightenment. Some sort of deeper spiritual truth, even though, uh, say, Jesus didn't actually heal a man born blind, but it's okay. It's still true because he enlightens us spiritually and gives us sight. And so those are things you, you hear pretty often among, uh, among uh, at least a certain set of uh, biblical scholars and teachers. Um, and it's unfortunate, but I'm just curious as to what, what your experience with that, uh, with that has been. So my, uh, my undergraduate degree in theology was earned at Franciscan University of Steubenville, um, which has, fantastic and very faithful um, Catholic theologians and scripture scholars on, on staff, including one of the most well-known um, among Catholics today in our country, at least Dr. Scott Hahn. And I had um, Dr. Hahn for um, Old Testament and for Christology. So I definitely, um, through him, was exposed to, we, we read mm-hmm. um, the work of some of these um the sort of scholarship, but then we were also exposed to read and taught the responses to those arguments. And I think, by the way, that's a, uh, especially I think for parents out there, but for anybody who's responsible for not only your own formation, but for the formation of others as well. Um, we're tempted sometimes to protect people from uh, ideas that are false or partially true. Um don't. I mean, there's a reality early on, especially with kids when they're young, you don't want to expose them to um, error sure. too quickly. Sure. But you should, we, we, we should tell them, this is what some people think, but this is how we respond to it. Because otherwise they go out into the world, into college, without any defenses, sure. without any awareness. Sure. So sure. I, I fortunately received that set of defenses um, in my initial college classes sure. at Steubenville. Well, that's great. Yeah. I think speaking about that and, and, and parenting in the faith and guiding others in the faith, I think a lot of the time we we, we tend to uh, shy away from the questions when it comes to educating another. You know, say you're raising your kids and parents right. can be afraid of the questions. You know, yep. like, well, why do we believe this about the Gospels? Or, you know, this isn't in the Bible. Why do we believe it? Why does the church teach it? And, and I, I found that parents can be afraid of those questions because— they don't know themselves, and they're afraid of, of not having the answer. But it's okay not to have the answers. You know? Right. That's the gift of a church, right? That's bigger than us. We have a place to go. We can look. We have people who um, can help to educate us, right? People that I'm, I'm grateful for my teachers, you know, who all know, who know the scriptures, who knew the scriptures better than me and were able to teach me. And so um, it's not like once you're a parent or once you're a catechist or a CCD teacher, all of a sudden you can't stop learning and asking questions yourself. And Often those are prompted by the questions of the people that you're um, that you're 
teaching. Exactly. And I would say too, uh, there's a, there's sort of a, a temptation on the opposite end of the spectrum to avoid. If you have been fortunate enough to form yourself or been be formed, um, don't be dismissive of questions. That's honestly sometimes what I can do with literally with my own kids. Like yeah. they'll, they'll, they won't necessarily ask a question, but they'll make a certain statement, which is indicative of something they've heard or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and it really, the, the, the thinking behind it, not of, of the idea is very shallow and superficial. And so I tend to be pretty, well, that's, that's dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, that's not helpful to my children either. Sure. I have to sure. take their, take, I have to take them seriously. Sure. Even if the objections are not that substantial, sure. the questions. Sure. But further back, let's let's get back to um, what we're talking about here, which is Brent Petrie's book, The Case for Jesus, and and some of that there. And and, and I love how you said um, what we're getting, uh, what we're basing this off of is what we're just talking about scripture scholars, sh- scripture scholarship that has ca- ca- brought doubt into the minds of many believers. Um, I know. Sometimes it's likened to, you made this point, that it's like a game of telephone, that the Gospels were, as you said earlier, a community wrote them or somebody wrote them, but they were, in whatever the case is, usually some scholars say it was decades or even centuries after the time of Jesus, the Gospels were really written, and therefore, how can we really trust them? Right. Right, and what what this book is about, and what our series on this book is about, is um, reestablishing, affirming the truthfulness, the historicity of the Gospels. Right? Right. right, right, because the Catholic faith is grounded in history. The Christian message is grounded in history. Um, it's a truth that transcends history, but uh, but it makes historical claims that are either true or false. Right, and uh, and they can be verified historically. Right, right. Um, did Jesus actually claim to be God? Right. That's a that's a historical question. Now, whether he is God or not, yeah, yeah. Um, is is something that you need more than just historical evidence to prove, and ultimately takes the grace of faith. But did he claim to be God? That's either right. true or it's not historically right. speaking. Right. Did he did he rise from the dead or not? Yep. You know, was the was the grave empty? Uh, was he out walking again? Frankly, that's a historical question. Right. And so we have to approach it as a matter of history to exactly. be resolved with exactly. tools that the science of history provides us exactly. with. Exactly. And we can do that. That's kind of, the, I mean, one of the points from this is we don't need to be afraid of the science of history. Exactly. Okay. Um, let's just, in the, in the five minutes or so that we have left, I, I want to talk just in general terms about what um, what we're going to be looking at uh, in, in the book. Um, and I think by beginning with the idea uh, or the question, what the, what do the gospels in a general way show us about Jesus? Because I think many, when you read them, especially this was, this was true for me as a, as a young revert in college, you read the gospels and Jesus doesn't show up on the scene. I'm, I'm, I'm the son of God. I'm the word incarnate. Um, right. Bow down before me. I mean, he wouldn't, <laughs> I mean, that right. sounds more like some right. sort of evil, <laughs> something like, yeah. uh, some, but but Darth you read the Vader Gospels of the first century exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> you have successfully distracted <laughs> um, victory. What we see is Jesus oftentimes basically going shh, yeah, like don't tell yeah, anybody. Definitely, and that's so, pointed to. So that's good. That's pointed to as evidence by some that Jesus didn't claim to be God. Right. Right. Uh, and and so here's here's how it here's how uh, roughly speaking uh, P- 
people object to Jesus' divinity and say, well, it's it's not something he actually claimed, right? They'll say he doesn't claim it in the in the three the first three gospels, the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They say um, Jesus never claims to be God. He doesn't come out and say I'm God, and uh, and so and he does in the Gospel of John. They'll give you that, but that was written may, way too late to be connected with anything Jesus actually said. It's just a later sort of fabrication that puts words on his lips that he never actually said. Um, that's the claim, right? And it relies on some really faulty premises, right. as we'll see. Uh, but if Jesus never claimed to be God, then you avoid having to make a judgment about whether he was telling the truth or not. Right. Right? Because if you look at the person of Jesus uh, as he's presented in the Gospels, and this man who claims to be divine, uh, you're forced to ask a question. You know, right. Do I believe him or not? Right. Is he true or not? Right. And... Uh, is in the, so there's this the famous trilemma, and Dr. Petrie brings this up in the book uh, that C.S. Lewis records in Mere Christianity, right? That that Jesus can only be one of three things, right? He's either a liar, a lunatic, or he's really the Lord, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if he claims to be God and he's not, then he's a liar uh, or a lunatic, you know, depending on whether he actually thinks he is or not, right? Right. If I went around saying, I'm God, uh, I'd either be lying or I'd be crazy, crazy. Um, because I'm not. So Jesus goes around claiming that either he's he's crazy or he's being deceitful unless he actually is, right? And the person who recognizes this has to make the judgment, right. which is it. Uh, however, if he didn't make those claims... Then you you avoid being able to be, you you avoid the necessity of that judgment. You can just say, uh, well, Jesus was a nice moral teacher who got who had some kind of crazy eccentric followers and that made up some stories about him. But uh, what he taught was good. I like Jesus. I like what he taught. I just don't like the religion that developed around him after he died. You know, what you just articulated is a very popular idea. Today. Definitely, because there's something very attractive. Even if you don't want to believe in Christianity, even if you don't like Christians or uh, the church as it as it seems today, there's something really attractive about uh, about this man, you know, in the way that he teaches, the way that he preaches, um, the beatitudes, the uh, the Sermon on the Mount, right? There's such appeal in that. Uh, people people who aren't Christian like to quote Jesus on certain right. things, you know, right. do unto others as you would have others do unto you, you know, judge not lest you be judged and all these phrases, uh, there's a moral teaching that's very appealing in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this idea that we can separate that from right. who Jesus claimed to be or say, well, he was a moral teacher that was misinterpreted uh, has a lot of appeal to a lot of people. Um, the problem is historically it doesn't stand up. Right. You can't separate what he taught from who he claimed to be. Right. Because so, as we'll see over the course of this series, um, he in fact did claim to be God, even though he did come out and say, like we would, might think he would today, as a 21st century American and frankly as a human being, uh, I think the way God would do it is 
Hi, I'm here. I'm God. That's right. But as we see, we'll see over the course of this series, that's not what Jesus did. But he was still claiming to be God. Definitely. He does so in a very Jewish way and in a gradual way. And Dr. Pichu does a great way of explaining how that happens in the Gospels in his book. And we will unpack that in future episodes in this series. But that will wrap up this introductory episode in this series. Uh, this, this is, again, an episode of Ignition. Thank you for emailing. You can email us, rather, ignition at sfcatholic.org or tweet at us. SFDiocese is the hashtag Ignition with any thoughts, questions, or ideas for future episodes. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.